0: From the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So, this morning we're sharing on the cry of the human spirit. The cry of the human spirit. Like, why are you on earth? What are you living for? What's your life really, really about? And that's a very important question that we must ask ourselves. There's a cry in every person's heart. There's a desire in every person's soul. There's something on the inside of us that calls out for more. It's like, I want to, I long to, I yearn for, I hunger for. That cry is more than words. It's more than what you can say to someone. You know how someone comes and gives you advice and you know the advice is good, but the advice doesn't quite reach that place? There's a place where on the inside of us, something is crying. We're longing for something more. We're yearning for something extraordinary. We're reaching out for something else apart from what we have. It's called the cry of the human spirit. Amen. Galatians chapter 4, verse 46 is on the screen. I'd like us to read it together. One, two, go. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out Abba Father Father thank you for your word There is a definite cry in our spirit There is a definite yin in our spirit for the reason why you made us Father Where we're standing is no more enough. The level of life we've tasted is not enough. All we've seen and handled is not enough. (laughs) So we're looking to you, our maker. There's a spirit on the inside of us yearning and crying out. Abba, Father. And I ask that you help someone today to journey into a new place. I ask that you set someone who is flat today into a hunger. I ask that you bring importunity into someone's heart today. That we may all arrive at the place of your pleasing will. In the name of Jesus Christ. And all the church said, Amen. This is the scripture that captures the essence of our spiritual cry, our heart's connection to God's heart. We cry out for something. We're yearning for something. We're looking for something. And that's why when the spirit of adoption comes on the inside of us, we can cry out, Abba, Father. And we know that God hears us. We know that he understands us. We know that he he touches base with us where we are. Abba Father. Abba Father. Hallelujah. Can you pray in the spirit for one minute? I don't, I think the atmosphere has gone flat. You left yourself on the ground. Just pick yourself up in the spirit for a minute. Let this tearing be in us, O oh God, where we desire like sons, where our hearts are crying out for adoption, for connection to the heart of our Father. Yes, Lord God, you send forth your Son to do a work, to accomplish something. May that work be real in our hearts this morning. May be real in what we declare this day in the name of Jesus Christ. Karune stama ibalute ba jacadibranosta in cano liko jaluma ratoma binkayana maritosa li keba arune masakabo jekataba Abba Father. Abba, Father. Say it out. Abba, Father. My spirit cries out, Abba, Father. That's the reason why Jesus came. He came so that we can become adopted. And when we are adopted, our hearts begin to cry out. Our hearts begin to light up. Our spirit man begins to cry out. And our first cries for fatherhood Abba, Papa, Father, Father, we cry out for you. Hallelujah. Next scripture Isaiah 28, verse 20 to 21. The bed you have made is too short to lie on. The blankets are too narrow to cover you. The Lord will come as he did against the Philistines at Mount Perazim and against the Amorites at Gibeon. He will come to do a strange thing. He will come to do an unusual deed. This is the NLT. The bed you have made is too short to lie on. The blankets are too narrow to cover you. How many of you have bought those Asda blankets before? Oh yeah, and you you cover yourself in winter and uh, it's just short. It's always just short. How many of you have, you have some tall people in church today? You're tall, really tall, you're six foot. Anyone here? Yeah. Have you ever lied on a bed where it's like uh, your leg is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a real thing. Lie on your baby bed and see that your leg is jutting out or lie on the couch. You know, these two sitters lie on the couch and by morning you have butt leg pains. Why? Say the bed is too short. The bed is too short. And what is this scripture talking about? It's talking about the level of life that we've tasted. It's too little. It's talking about our experience of God. It's too small. It's talking about the things that we know about God is too little. It's talking about our hunger level. Our hunger level is limited. Many of us don't have hunger. So the bed we're lying on is too short. The place we're occupying is too small. The spiritual capacity we have is too little. And we have to cry out. We have to cry out. We have to cry out and say, God, is this all you have? How can you be the God of all power? And I stand here without power. How can you be the father of all living? And I sit here inhabited. How can you be the God who made the heavens and the earth? And I'm sitting with so little. And I'm standing in such a small place, increase the place where I stand, multiply, accelerate the footsteps of my actions, oh God, take me beyond here, let a cry consume you because the bed is too short, the blanket is just not covering you, this is the cry of many people who come into a hunger of God. A cry seizes their heart. That cry is an opportunity. It's a holy demand until God begins to work. Then God begins to work and do extraordinary things. And we read like He did in Mount Perazim. I read it the other day. The work that God did in Mount Perazim was an amazing, amazing work. In Joshua chapter... No, that's... a. That's uh, the valley of Gibeon. No, Perazim was, was Joshua. Then the Amorites was at Gibeon. It, like God rained hailstones on the enemies. Like ice came from heaven and killed the enemies. They were like lump. Like I was talking about how Joshua called forth the, the heavens, commanded the heavens and said, Son, you stand still. And the elements of the earth began to function in a totally different way in that battle. The heavens did precipitation. Ice began to form in the heavenly realms. By the time the people were running, the ice began to melt and come down in large, large chunks. They called it hailstones, but it was a mighty work because any ice that can fall upon a man and would knock the man out and kill him is not small ice at all. And it wasn't few. It was in their thousands. It's it's a strange work of God. But where did it start from? It starts from knowing that this bed I'm lying on is too short. It starts from understanding that the place I'm occupying is too little. It starts from knowing that the miraculous I've seen is too small. It starts from a hunger. It starts from like, God, this is not enough. Is this all you have for me? (laughs) Is this all you have for me? If God just gave you things, it's not enough. If God just gave you money, it's not enough. There has to be a bigger hunger on the inside of you. Mm. Hunger. Hunger. Thank you, Jesus. The truth is that we all want things out of life. We have legitimate needs. We all need love. We all need a better home. We want a marriage that works. We want true friends. We want health. We we want work, meaningful work, and we want money and essence. How many of you like to be the guy, the main guy? Yeah. And it's not bad for you to be the guy. Like to be the it woman. We we like it. We like being that person on the sign of show. We like being the main speaker. In the conference. We like it. And it's nothing wrong. So these things are the things that many people are looking for. Yeah? I was looking for, what are people really looking for? And it took me to a LinkedIn article where this person described human needs in three categories. Number one, survival. So things like water, food, and shelter are survival. So in the workplace, survival refers to the paycheck that enables you to get food, water, and shelter, survival. Business too comes around sometimes food, water, shelter, and the things around them. So number one is survival. Survival. Number two, a sense of belonging. What people want is to survive. Then, number two, a sense of belonging. Yeah? A place where you are accepted, a place where you are cared for, a place where you belong. Actually, not only in the workplace, also in church, also in family. Also, if you are not accepted, if you are not cared for, if you don't feel a sense of belonging or involvement in the community, you will generally find your way out. But when you see that there is a drawing in that community, yeah, that you are either in the center leading or you are in the middle somewhere, even though neutral, that you belong, then you fit in more easily. Otherwise, you feel that that place is already what? Pushing you out. If you come to a place and you don't belong. You feel like that place is pushing you out. And number three. That lady says. Become. That becoming. So to rise. To actualize. And to answer that purpose call. Like why are you there? To understand what you are doing in that place. Is actually. And then to see. What are you becoming on account of belonging to the place where you belong? You're in a club. What are you becoming? Do you understand? You know you can keep company with guys where the main thing they do is to, is to, is to bet. Betting. You know there's cheap roadside betting. Yeah? Yeah, but there's another level of gambling. The gambling has a uh, ranking. And there may be someone here, your main thing is gambling. In fact, the Holy Spirit is speaking to someone here that your main thing is gambling. You're one million naira, $5,000, out, out, out. $10,000, you are gambling. You made some money from gambling, but you've lost a lot more. <laughs> so in that place... You just joined the community, but you were not planning to be a gambler. You just like the friendship and everything, but because of how they are, you become what they are because you are associated with them. Association makes you that thing you said you're not going to be. Many of us go into a group thinking like we're never going to be like them. Many of us arrive at nightclub thinking like, oh, Nightclub, I'm not going to drink. Oh. I'm not going to smoke. I'm strong. Stronger than this nightclub. They can't woo me. They can't tempt me. Nightclub, my boots. Nightclub, call. Drinking me. After a while, someone will come. And just, you know, there's some people with special cigarettes. The slim one. They just puff it in the air. It looks so nice. The people who have like special bottle cigarettes. They say just, 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 and they roll it out in rows. You wonder where am I seeing all these things? <laughs> and they just tell you, it's just a social drink. You cannot be here and everybody's drinking and you're not drinking, it's one kind. Just one glass. Before you know what's happening, you become the place you've gone to. This was not your plan, but you became. Becoming is part of association. As we connect to things, we become those things. As you listen to people, you become those people. Whoever you elevate, you you begin to gravitate towards. What you're looking at, You become. So, the biggest crisis in the world today is the crisis of becoming. So, I'll show you some books now, for example. Yeah? How many of you know these books? Yeah. So, at the top level, let's talk about the social, right? You have Toke Makinwaroku wrote a book called On Becoming. She wrote it years before Michelle Obama wrote her own. So, Michelle Obama copied her. You know what I mean? (laughs) So that's a joke. (laughs) And Viola Davis, the Grammy-winning actor, wrote a book called Finding Me. At that social level, they were talking about becoming something. Viola was talking about a black girl in mainstream Hollywood trying to find her way. Fighting to become someone, pushing to become some something with her life, she fought. And the last chapter of her book goes, "Dears, she goes." And then she was writing about how the most challenging act was when she had to act in a trans movie, and. It was so good, she felt the role was so complicated, but now she finally found her liberty in the mainstream, and now she's such a big actor. There she goes, flying with glory. Absolutely rubbish. And I'm sure you heard the arguments in social media about Tucker's book and, and the exposes she did and the stories around some people who, where she threw some people under the bus in the journey of becoming. The whole story was the end justifies the means. When I arrived there, it doesn't matter how I arrived, I arrived, that's the point. And you read Michelle Obama talking about justification of abortion, justification of gay rights movement in her book. These are the books the whole world is celebrating as arrival, as becoming. You guys understand? These are the books that the people are reading, and these are New York bestsellers. Some of them are Nigeria bestseller as well, among the list. On every desk, you find these books. But can I tell you, is nothing can make you not to become more than reading these books? I'm sorry if I seem like I'm directly criticizing work of art but they are also in the public space, also leading people astray. I must be able to comment about them. You will not become anything better by becoming, becoming. Do you guys understand? So there is an image out there that if you climb up this ranking, you're going to become this thing. And we see this also at nation-states. When Barack Obama wrote a book called The Audacity of Hope, Lee Kuan Yew wrote another book on Singapore and we had this guy, Max, Mike Sulong, who wrote about Nigeria's soldier of fortune and fame. And there are so many books, of passengers wrote, and Abacha wrote, and all these leaders wrote, even El Rufai wrote, myself, my public servant, all of these things talking about their place in national life. And many of them trying to justify what they became on account of the opportunities they have. They tried to become, but they could only become the impute that they made into their own lives. They could not become any better. Even though the, the biggest thing is for us to have a rival, even though the biggest thing is for us to have some sense of purpose, so you became the biggest money magnet in the world, then what? What? So you became the the most massive guy in your industry. Then what? You became the most known socialite in Nigeria. Then what? Becoming alone is not enough. There's a cry in every spirit. There's a cry in every spirit. We're crying for more. We're crying for happiness. We are crying for money we're crying for freedom we're crying for peace we're crying for joy we're crying for balance we're crying for fulfillment we're crying for confidence we're crying for stability we're crying for passion we're crying for love we're crying for power there is a cry in our spirits there is a desire in our hearts there is a longing on the inside of us we need more money we need more happiness we need more freedom we need more peace, we need more joy we keep on crying we keep on hungering, we keep on desiring, we keep on yearning this morning is all about a heart cry and many of this heart cry are from man made goals we've suffered shame before so we don't want to suffer shame again so we chase happiness and joy and stability so I will never have shame again. We suffered fear before, so we want to have money so we can protect ourselves from fears. So we want to have balance in our lives so I will not be afraid. So we want passion so that we want to be passionate about something so I will not be afraid. We suffered from conceit before, so we want freedom. We want fulfillment. We want love because we've been deceived before. Hey, we, we've gone through trauma, so now we're longing for peace. Because of trauma, we're longing for confidence. We're longing for power because of what we've seen. We were powerless when they dealt with us. So now we want power. But your desire came from what? Take a look if you can see each of this you can see where many of the things we long for comes from if all you're chasing happiness is for is because you suffered shame if all you're chasing money is because of fears if all you're chasing fulfillment from is because of conceit that you've endured if all you're chasing confidence for is because of trauma it's not enough say not enough Someone this morning saying, not enough. It's not enough. But there's a cry on the inside of every man. There's a yearning on the inside of every one of us. But why are you crying? Why are you hungry? Why are you thirsty? Why are you desirous? What is the real reason? Behind the curtains. Behind the place where people cannot come. Behind the place where people do not know. Why is it that you want what you want? For God calls us into a place. And he wants us to have something powerful. These desires are not wrong in themselves. But if what's at the top is the reason. Then these desires I'm going to give you three quick people who walk through man made, who want through uh, goals. But before then, you see, I want to talk about desire. The Bible says in the book of James that desire is the foundation of sin. So desire is like the crack in the ground that allows anything to grow. That hunger. And there are three types of desires: the loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes and pride of life, all triggered by desires. Desire is that place from where many of the things that the devil opens and brings into our world comes from desire. Desire. So is desire bad? Desire of itself is not bad. It's a gift. Hunger is a gift. Because without hunger, you can't eat. Without, if a baby doesn't suck, that baby is going to die. You know, when you give birth to a new baby, the first sign that the baby is alive is that the baby can latch. Latching means the mouth of the baby can can grab a, a feeding bottle or the breast. If the baby can't latch, the baby will suffer a lot. The baby will now have to go through intravenous infusion to, to feed the baby, to keep the baby alive. Part of of the reason how you know you're alive is desire. Say desire. Hallelujah. So it's not wrong for you to desire. Do you guys understand? I want us to clarify that. It's not wrong for you to desire freedom. It's not wrong for you to desire happiness. It's not, desire itself is not wrong. So, Let's read this, Psalm 102, verse 19 to 20. This is the the Passion Translation. Yeah, one, two, go. Let's read together. Tell them how Yah looked down from his high and holy place, gazing from his glory to survey the earth. He listened to all the groaning of his people, longing to be free and he set loose the sons of death to experience life. Can you see something about desire here? The people were yearning to be free. They were groaning. They were living in the region of death, but there was a cry in their hearts. And God heard their cry and released life. Amen. God hears every cry. God understands every desire. God understands every importunate importunate desire we have in our hearts. God longs to fulfill these desires. And the scripture said, he came and those who were appointed to death, he visited them with life. Say amen. If what you are having is not really good, you can actually hunger for something different the problem is that many of us are being sold a lying Christianity that tells us that we will not suffer that tells us there will be no challenges that tells us that everything is going to be hunky-dory Many of us are on many prayer platforms and on these prayer platforms everything is about God will do it for you. God will do it for you. He's going to do it for you. He will do it now, now, now. He will do it tomorrow morning. He will do it in one week. He will do it in one year. By this time next year He will do it. So when it hasn't happened we enter into a tailspin of of crisis of faith. Do you guys understand? And what God wants us to have is a yearning after Him. It's not that thing of uh, they're telling you today today. That today-today message is actually part of the problem of Christianity. That microwave, that God will do it now and so many people cannot go through process with God. They cannot go through process with God because someone is telling them they're going to have it now. So when we said we build church, I decided that we're not going to build a church that is actually a now-now church. Do you understand? All our prayer meetings will not be prayer meetings of collecting things from God. So people don't know how to pray like that, to pray for intimacy, to pray to be with God. To pray to know him, to pray that we will have becoming like Christ. You know, that unbecoming is the fake form of becoming like Christ. You know, it's the opposite of becoming like Christ. If somebody's telling you, like, oh, you can slap anybody anytime you like, can sleep with anyone you want, if you don't like your husband again, you can walk away anytime you like, and that's how you become free. Is that not the opposite of what the Bible taught? Do you guys understand how we somehow surreptitiously replace the becoming of Christ with becoming of what we like? Look at R.C. Sproul made this quote. Natural man's sin is precisely this. He wants the benefits of God without God. We just want what we want. Take God out of it. And then the ones who know they cannot do without God now use God as rubber stamp for what they want. Every day they wake up exactly about what they want. You think God didn't hear you yesterday when you say you were looking for money? Today again. Money comes. Faith is now. Money comes now. Everybody go, Amen. And you know, any prayer prayer call you are, where they they are praying for you, praying for you over one hour, they are praying for you, and you are shouting amen. You are not really praying. I hope you know. Someone is praying for you. You are not the one praying. Except you start praying. Some people have subjected, they let their own prayer life, and going to prayer platforms. Now, don't forget, I'm not calling anybody's name. It's not about them. It's about us who are receiving a short change of what makes us become like Christ. When we don't cry about becoming, when we don't hunger, when we don't stay with God, when we don't steward what God gives us so we can look like Him. When you see Him, you're supposed to look like Him. Then we now have all these desires, all these things that the world is looking for. I will just use God's name as rubber stamp. God will give me my house. God will give me my car. None shall lack her mate. None shall lack, and it's always her, not his mate. And senior singles ask me, Pastor Mo, when am I going to marry? I don't know. God's processes that work in your life. What, God, what if God is asking that your character is bad? That you need to spend time changing yourself. That you need to spend time being... Some of you, you look at yourself back 10 years. You're like, wow, if I married then, it would have been disaster. I was a serpent. <laughs> it's the journey of God that makes you look at yourself and say, wow, man... I would have made a mess of any marriage I entered guys whose ways are you know that you have scratched somebody's daughter in the sand so why don't you have a wife maybe God is trying to refine you maybe God is trying to prepare you maybe that's why she said no and she give you ila, and you are crying. Lord, why, why me? Oh no! May we be those people who know you, O God. We'll be the people who understand what you're doing. Give us wisdom not to run after you only for the things we can get, that we can understand you. Open our eyes to see who you are, open our hearts to understand you. Give us revelation. Give us revelation. I'm going to give three examples of people who had a cry. Psalm 106, verse 13 to 15, it says, Yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness, their desires ran wild. Testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. So he gave them what they asked for, but he sent a plague among them. Hmm. Numbers 13 verse 1 to 3. This is a following of that scripture in Psalm. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. They did all night crying. Not prayer. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. What were they saying? If only we had died in Egypt or even here in this wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? At several times in the the journey of the children of Israel, they were crying out to God. They were crying to go back. They were crying because of the difficulty. This one in numbers happened when they had that report. The report of the 10 spies gave them this trigger. They cried and like they brought a report and said the Anakims are in their land and the people began to weep. They wept and wept and wept and wept. All night they were crying. You could listen to the camp. You hear a chorus of people crying. Have you ever seen a village cry before? No, you guys haven't seen because you haven't lived in a village before. But if you lived in a village, times when our village fights against another village and there is a lot of casualty, you hear the women wailing in the night. You hear crying. A whole village crying. Well, I'm sure you've seen Nigeria win match before. And you can hear it in the city. Not, I don't know whether it happens in Lagos, but like in Jos, the viewing centers, in different viewing centers, you will hear everybody screaming at the same time. That was the kind of crying that they had. It was a massive desire. It was a massive antagonism against Moses and against Aaron. It was so bad that Joshua and Caleb ran in front of the people and tore their clothes and said, Guys, 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 let's not rebel against God. If God delights in us, he will give us the land. Can you imagine? God was taking them to liberty, but they loved their chains so much. This is actually the quandary that we have. How God wants to give you freedom, but you're so used to being a slave that you don't want that freedom that God wants to give you. God wants to bring you out of where you were before, but you. You think you are so wise in your own understanding that you are fighting with God about the freedom he wants to bring to you. The children of Israel, God wants to bring them to a good land. But when they saw the battles it takes to get the land, can I tell you for now, even for tomorrow, there is no land that you can take without battle. You guys understand? No territory is free land. If you go to, you're flying in the air over Nigeria, you know, there's a lot of free land. When you're going from here to Abuja, you see land. Okay, land your plane there and go to that place where there's free land and say you want to do anything there. The owners of that land will come out. No land is free. You guys understand? If God tells you he's going to give you a territory, it means there are already people there. And that's what we heard from the business conference yesterday, right? There are already people there. So you have to take that land how? Say by warfare. Oh, hallelujah. Say by warfare. The people cried that they want to go back to Egypt. That's the first example. And What did they face was two things. Their imagination, arguments came to their mind and their thoughts went against God. And where did it come from? It came from a self-pride and we know how to do this. We know how to journey. We know what to do. So the Israelites faced two things. Number one, legitimate fear. Where fear comes upon you when you want to do something you don't know before. That fear comes upon you. And then the second thing is conceit. Where we feel like we know more than God. Every time you put God in a judgment seat, when you feel like you know more than God, God will keep quiet and leave you alone. Every time you act like you know more than God, guess what God will do? You just hear quiet in the spirit. There'll be no more argument. God doesn't argue with you. So that's why the Bible says when you come to prayer, casting down imagination, strong arguments and every thought and bringing them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This was the same thing the children of Israel suffered from. It was their conceit and it was also their fears. Their fears brought them to trauma because they've been beaten by Egypt so much. They tried to escape, the night they tried to escape from the land of Egypt, what happened? (laughs) Pharaoh double every time they tried to escape it was met with opposition it's a mark the journey of the children of Israel from Egypt to the promised land is a mark for us of how our lives are supposed to be second example Solomon let's read this together give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon has asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you, God said to to Solomon, I will give you wisdom which you ask for, I will also give you riches and I will also give you fame. Can you imagine that these things come from God as well? That riches and fame can come from God. That's, that's the revelation I got yesterday that actually riches and wealth can come from and fame can come from God. Did you guys understand that God can release riches and fame? We can make you famous. How we feel like being famous is a dirty thing. How we feel like sometimes we hate rich people. Do you understand? You know there's a movement in the world that hates rich people? want to bring every person who has money. If you see somebody who drives a nice car, you say, ah, these are the the political thieves in Nigeria. You don't believe that people can make money legitimately. Nothing we're saying about curtailing your desire means that you should choose an oath of poverty. That you're poor doesn't mean you're holy. There are many poor people, they are not holy at all. Can I tell you that? God can give fame. But what was the prayer request that God answered in the other way? Look at the prayer request. I want to have a discerning heart but I will know right and wrong. The people you've called me, I want to lead them in the right way. Do you know, Solomon did not say, oh God, you know your people are very stubborn. You know your people are very wicked. You know how many of us talk about Nigerians. Like God is trying to make you a leader in Nigeria. And the first thing you say is, Nigeria is such a bad place. People are so sad. People are so wicked. People are so mean. Solomon did not say all those prayer requests to God. He stood before God and what did he say? Lord, your people are a great people. <laughs> you have an agenda for these people. <laughs> you have a people great and mighty. These are the words Solomon was saying about his nation. Who can lead these people? Who can take them in and bring them back? These are clearly the words we have to teach our political leaders for them to know that there's the place where you can speak life into the nation. Solomon's prayer was life for his nation. God heard it. God heard the intention. God heard his heart cry. This man genuinely wants to do right by the nation. And that prayer became a model prayer for every leader. You want to lead a nation, you cannot be speaking bad about a nation you want to lead. You want to lead a group? You want to lead a company? You cannot be down-talking the company. You want to build. Speak live. Tell someone, speak live. Speak live. Speak live. Speak live. live. Let me discern what is right and wrong. Let me lead this great organization in such a way that our goals, our objectives will be arrived at. Say amen. And God gave Solomon wisdom riches and fame may god release to you the understanding of the space where he's planted you in the name of jesus christ may you become like a Solomon desiring the perfect will of God desiring the perfect plan of God for the entity you lead may your hands be wise in stewarding holy things in stewarding natural things may music blossom in your hands, may the things that God has given to you grow in your hands may money multiply may assets or people double because they are in your hands, may your hands be prosperous hands, may the partnership prosper because you're there may people come together and gather because of you because you are anointed by God with wisdom with riches with fame may you be famous the good one ordained by God in the name of Jesus hallelujah God gave this to Solomon finally Jesus Christ And he withdrew from them about the stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed and said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony he prayed more earnestly then the sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground he was praying he was tiring he was crying for destiny he was agonizing agonizing about the things that God wanted him to do There's a cry in the heart of Jesus Christ. There's a cry in the heart of Jesus Christ. In the he withdrew from men, he went away from the men, even his best friends, he left them about the stone throw And he knew that this was a matter he had to settle between himself and God. And he began to cry, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. I stand at the edge of glory I stand at the the summit of all things I stand at the precipice of what you're building and saying oh God and I'm longing oh God for what you sent me here to do for the agenda that you created me for I stand in the volumes of the books that is written about me I'm calling myself into the purpose of God. Calling myself into the place where you stand to do your will, oh God. Here I come, oh God. According to all that you said about my life, I want to do your will. I long to do your will. I yearn to do your will. Let's pray this morning. Let this be your cry. Ikuna Ayano musulab. Father, why did you save me? Father, why did you create me? Lord, what did you make me for? What was the essence of my life? What is my life designed to achieve? I have a cry this morning. I have a longing today, oh God. I have a longing. This is the cry of my spirit to do your will, to understand why I was made, to know why I am here, why am I on earth? why did you make me what is the purpose of your creativity in me why am I like I am why do I question everything why do I have so much doubt on the inside of me Lord how did you make me like this what were you thinking about when you created me I come in the volumes of the books I come in the volumes of the books written about me. I want to do your will. I want to fulfill your purpose. I want to accomplish what you made me for. There is a cry in my human spirit. I long for, I yearn for more. The description of men don't fit me. Everything men want to achieve is not what I seem to want to achieve. Their highest goal does not look ideal deal to me. I long for more. I hunger for more. I want more. I yearn for new life from your presence, O oh God. Into Sakuta Mahaya. Who's an image in a style? Who's a lie? My redoshta. My kudos La kushen keinama sulab redos teya. La kushenema sutjaabash tekolie redoshta. And the Bible says in verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. Even though he was strengthened by the angel, the desire was overwhelming him. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like drops of blood. What was this transaction that Jesus did? It was the transaction of, can I can this cup pass over me? Can this agenda not be what I will do? It was the agenda, it was the cry of preference. God can, I, can we have it any other way? God, this is not really my will. Mm. This is not really what I want to do, Lord. You know, sometimes you feel like what God is asking you to do is not what you really, really want to do. Lord, I have what I want. Then, he now created conditionality on the will of God. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done and to arrive there how did he do it he prayed earnestly there's some prayer that you cannot pray casually if you are casual in prayer you're not prayed yet there will come a day when prayer will seize you a burden will catch your heart and you will agonize in that prayer this was not a prayer that was casual he begged his friends could you just pray with me for one hour? Have those kind of friends. You can say, pray with me for one hour. Have those kind of people around you who you can call and tap and say, let's pray for one hour. To trade your will for the Father's will to exchange what you want for what God wants is birth in prayer. Jesus did that transaction exchange in the place of prayer. In the place of prayer was where he exchanged what he really wanted for what God really wanted him to do. Sometimes we don't see the full picture of why God wants us to do what he wants us to do. We don't see the full picture of it. But when you look in the scripture you begin to see later that God had in mind that when Jesus died billions of people will be saved. So his death was small compared to the billions of people that needed to be saved. His death was going to destroy sin forever. That wherever sin was present and his name was mentioned and the blood and the sacrifice he did was mentioned. Death was and sin will be cut off. His, his, his dying was supposed to open a door into eternity. So him laying down his will was so important. Laying down your will. You cannot understand how important laying down your will can be. Because you can save more than yourself there's a whole nation of people waiting to be saved but you cannot save them with your own mind, with your own intelligence with your own power, with your own ideas laying down your will is required and many times laying down your will looks like death it looks like death it looks like like death this is the cry of Christ. What's your cry? Let's go back to that table. You have these man made goals. And what we should do is not to destroy any of these goals. This one, two, three, four, these 12 goals are actually okay. So long as we change the headers. Do you guys understand? So long as we do it for the right reasons. They are actually okay. Can I give you other reasons? Re- Taken from these scriptures we read, number one of the children of Israel, number two of Solomon, number three of Jesus Christ, right? I give you other reasons, right? Every time happiness, joy, and stability is for redemption, is it become noble or not? When you're chasing it for the purpose of redemption, when you're chasing leading others, you're bringing leadership into money. You're bringing leadership into bringing people into balance. You're bringing leadership into passion. As a leader, you're supposed to be passionate about what you're pushing. Whenever this thing is designed, like in the case of Solomon, he was seeking for government, but not for himself. Whenever that thing becomes corrected, the essence of it is, Was amazing. Then Solomon was asking for understanding. Why? So that the people of God can walk in freedom. So the aspirations of the people can be met. So that the love in the nation can grow. Can you imagine how the same desires can be fueled by trauma. Or can be fueled by the spirit of God. And finally, obedience. Obedience. So when you're looking for peace, you're not looking for peace for self-love alone. You're not looking for peace so that nobody will bother you. Do you know, we have a whole generation that cuts off. You cannot keep being present. There's the millennial trait is that they cannot be, in, they cannot keep being present. They have to cut off after a while. Do you know, they are growing, they are growing like this. you see God putting one brick after the other. Just when God is about to put lintel, they will remove the building. Come and start all over again. It's a millennial spirit, it's available to it's in the air. So even Gen, Gen X catching it too. People cut off. God is working with you. You're just learning how to pray. Then summer holiday comes. Summer holiday. You soil your royal oats, you travel to Acapulco. And, and prosecco becomes your number one uh, preference just when just when power is about to enter your hands just when god is about to release you to remove yourself and decide that that's the time you're going for party to another town in that party they shave your hair and collect your anointing Stay. Say to someone, stay. Obedience leads you to peace and confidence. And peace and confidence is power today. Today's power is not just about commanding people. It's peace. Ah, that when everybody's troubled, ah, you're good. It's powerful. And when I share things like this, people think I don't have problems. I have problems now eh, if I give you guys. Maybe two people in this church will be able to help me carry the problems I have at this moment, at breaking problems that I have personally in my family. But I'm telling you what I will practice: I will stay in redemption. I will stay in leading others. I will stay in understanding. I will stay in obedience, because in these places there's power. these are God led goals when the cry of your spirit for happiness and joy is not just happiness for yourself it's redemption for the world when you see people who are bowed down because Jesus saw people how they were broken and Jesus like oh my God these people are hurting and his heart was moved with compassion on them When God brings you to a place of leadership, you don't see leadership as something that you can use to crush other people. You're exercising leadership with balance. You're using wisdom. You're, using, you're passionate about the things God has asked you to lead. God brings you into money. Money is a tool to build the bigger, not just yourself. This becomes God-led goals. Let the cry of your spirit be the cry for God-led goals. These are the points I want you to pray on. These are the ones points I want you to pray on. That God will bring you into a place where He is the reason why you are chasing the happiness you are chasing. God is recalibrating us and changing us, changing our mind so we will not be of the same mind. Because when people have really abused you very well, people abuse you, tell you you don't have money, you're not worthy, you're not good, they finish with you. You make up your mind that that abuse can never happen again. So you're ready to do anything to get your goals. That's where trauma plays a part. But when you substitute that with God-led goals, everything changes. Can we pray this morning that the cry of our spirits will be like the cry of Christ? One more time, let's pray. Father, I have come according to the volumes of the books that is written about me to do your will. I desire to do your will, O God. He said sacrifices you do not desire, or else I would have given it. But the sacrifice of God, I a broken and a contrite spirit. It says a broken and a contrite spirit, you oh God, will not despise. This morning, oh God, I bring myself into your hands. I bring my heart into your hands. And I ask, oh God, that you bring me into your goals in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father God. I yield myself to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at elo.ecclesiahills.org at